Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, patients, families, colleagues, and curious folk to the PM&R Report. Our podcast is brought to you by the University of Texas at Houston in conjunction with McGovern Medical School and TIRR Memorial Hermann Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. We bring you another segment of medical explanation, reviews of current literature, expert opinions, debates, and just plain interesting stuffs. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of PMR Report. Uh, it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Angela Shippey. Uh, she is the uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Quality Officer of the Memorial Hermann Health System. Uh, Dr. Shippey, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Um, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, um, excuse my voice. I do have a little bit of a cold, so that's why I sound a bit scratchy. But I will tell you, I wanted to be a physician since I was nine years old. And I think at the time, somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, and I thought, well, if I say doctor, that's like the hardest thing ever. And at the time, I said I wanted to be a neurosurgeon because I thought, what could be harder than working with the brain? And um, but certainly at that time, I knew that I liked science, I liked people, and it wasn't that far of a stretch, and I've never wavered from that. I've always wanted to take care of people and, and really be part of, of healthcare. Great. Um, so what made you interested and passionate about uh, quality improvement and patient safety, especially within the Memorial Hermann Health System? Sure, well certainly um, throughout my career, um, one of the things that I noticed early on was it was really important um, when we were taking care of patients to help with the complexity of the system. So if you can recall, for all of us through medical school and residency, it was easy for us to see, it was tough to navigate a hospitalization. And so certainly um, throughout my career as a hospitalist, and then later as I took on more administrative roles, I saw that that continued to be something that our patients and their families struggled with. And so patient safety, quality, performance improvement is right along that continuum of making sure that the care is really good, the outcomes are good, and that patient and their family and their ability to navigate outside of the hospital was also an important aspect of that as well. Sure. Um, you uh, started your presentation uh, um discussing about the uh, safety cultural training uh, at uh, Memorial Hermann uh, in early 2006. Can you expand on the operation breakthrough that you talked about? Sure. So at the time we called that training Breakthroughs in Patient Safety. And the goal was to really set a culture of safety throughout the organization. And so that was done by taking employees from across the organization at all levels. Um, at the time we had um, the assistance of consultants from HPI who helped us bring together what was most important to Memorial Hermann to ensure that our patients had the best outcomes and evidence-based practice was used every time. So between looking at what our events of harm had been during that time, looking and listening to that frontline expertise, and packaging that into a system of education, tools, behaviors that could be rolled out across the system that would ensure that, that culture of safety. Awesome. Um, you also touched on um, pay for performance model and value-based purchasing. What does that uh, mean? Sure. 
So one of the things that happened back around 2011 was um, CMS made it clear to um, health systems across the country that going forward, part of their reimbursement would, would be based on um, value-based purchasing or the quality of care that was delivered but measured in a very particular way. And so early on, I talk about how it was just about core measures and patient engagement, but now it's really come full circle. Not only are they looking at um, the care that's delivered based on the outcomes, but they're also looking at how efficiently you do that, which is a, looking at the cost before and after hospitalization, mm -hmm. but looking at that patient engagement really more as a community engagement so that our interactions with patients are leading to that patient and their family being able to take their care and run with it when they're outside of the acute care setting. So really what it means is that we're being held accountable to ensuring that the patient receives good care and that good care continues across the entire continuum. Great. So um, can you expand a little bit more on that? Because that was my follow-up question mm -hmm. in regards to patient engagement and uh, integrated delivery, patient-centered care. What does that truly mean to you? Sure. So if you think about it, there have been so many times in the past where we developed systems that were in place that were very convenient maybe to the providers and to the health system. Mm -hmm. This big shift that we're all having now is we have to deliver care that's convenient to the patient. One of the reasons we have to do that is number one, we need our patients to access care. And we live in a world now where it's all about convenience. Everything might be right there in your smartphone, your ability to order dinner, um, uh, high level um, information is right there in, at your fingertips. Right. We need to have a similar model within healthcare mm -hmm. where access is easy, the ability to have complex information is easy for the patient, mm -hmm. the ability for the patient to navigate the system, whether it's a one time I need a, a physical or I have a chronic disease that needs to be managed. More transparency. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It needs to be easier for the patient to accomplish all that. Right. right. Um, so, uh, where do you feel that uh, Memorial Hermann Health System stands uh, in order to promote that type of a delivery um, as of right now? Sure. As it stands right now, Memorial Hermann is posed, poised to do this really quite well. First of all, we have really nice integrated delivery network. We have acute care hospitals. We have post-acute. In fact, we have the best post-acute with TIER being um, number one in what they do. We have home health. We have outpatient pharmacy. We have um, a network of skilled nursing facilities that we're involved with. Um, we have outpatient imaging, outpatient rehab, outpatient lab. So we have clinics, both specialty and primary care. We have every part of the system that require the patient would require to have a really good network that they can access to get the care that they need. Then we're focused on it. We know that we need to be patient-centered. We know that as we're designing process and access points, we need to think about the patient first. So I would say that right now, Memorial Hermann is thinking about it, um, is focused on it, and actually executing it quite well in many areas. Right. Um, and how do you feel would be a, um, a good way to translate this model to other systems and have them, I guess, uh, more um, involved and excited about this type of a model system? Sure. When I think about right now patient care, one of the key components is being able to learn from others. Um, reinventing the wheel is not a good idea. It's not a good use of our time and it's wasteful, quite honestly. 
As I look across key systems across the country, many people do this well, and we're taking every opportunity to learn from them. So whether we're reaching out to our colleagues mm -hmm. at the Mayo Clinic, reaching out to our, our colleagues at Bell and Health, reaching out to our colleagues at Intermountain, mm -hmm. reaching out to our colleagues at Kaiser Permanente, Cohen Health, or Norton Healthcare, right. we're constantly reaching out and saying, what are you doing that we can bring back to Memorial Hermann? And in turn, we have um, certain groups that we interact with on a regular basis. So IHI has an alliance, which mm -hmm. is a, a small group that's come together to say, how do we improve the delivery of health care? Um, when I think about the Health Management Academy, which is another group that we're involved in, um, we're engaging with them to say, how do we take care of patients better? Or mm -hmm. even the specialty societies, the American College of Surgeons and the work that they're doing um, with NISQIP or the safety of patients in the surgical arena. When I think about how we're engaging with STS, now we take care of our cardiovascular patients. We're using every registry, every group, every health system out there that's done this in some way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. taking those best practices and integrating them into what we do. So basically taking a piece of everything, whether good or bad, both, and right. putting it into right. our so, model system Because here. if you think about it, right. the best that we can do in healthcare is to be constantly learning. And we should learn from the things we've all done well mm -hmm. and the things we haven't done so well so that we can not make those same mistakes mm -hmm. or improve upon another process to make it even better. Great. That's, that's awesome. Um, you also talked about um, the higher reliability uh, culture. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that uh, for our listeners and how that translates into uh, preventing patient harm? Sure. Um, I know sometimes people say that they don't like the high reliability comparison to commercial airlines or, mm -hmm. or nuclear submarines or nuclear power plants because, like, quote unquote, like, we're not making widgets here. Mm -hmm. But I think what we want to take away from those industries is we know that people aren't perfect. We know that process can be pretty perfect and really good, but people are still executing on that. Mm -hmm. What we can take away from them is the fact that those checklists and those processes they have in place put a system in there as a barrier to the harm reaching the end user. Mm -hmm. So right. we don't have planes dropping out of the sky every day. We don't have nuclear disasters and meltdowns happening at plants every day. We're not shooting off nukes every day because those processes are in place that prevent the end user seeing any harm. That's what we want in healthcare. We wanna have checklists, guidelines, protocols, so that we don't have harm reach our patients, right? We don't want right. preventable harm to be there. And I think when we put it in that context and really talk to our frontline staff about it in that way, then it makes it easier to understand why it's so important to have that structure. To me, this kind of uh, reminds me of a Swiss cheese model. I know that yes. gets thrown around a lot. Yes. So. Um, with with that model in mind, mm -hmm. trying to prevent uh, reaching those points, I feel like it's important having the checks and balances before uh, a uh, uh, I guess a a bad outcome is is reached, and trying to identify the shortcomings along the path. I think is 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 important. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly said. Perfectly yeah. said. Um, so yeah, that's that's great. Um, so what um, to expand on that so what is the structure that's needed for um, for performance improvement to ensure that there are improved uh, clinical outcomes and uh, I do want to touch a little bit about um, reducing costs I know you mentioned that as well during your talk 
I think one of the most important components you have to have to be successful from a quality patient safety standpoint is you have to have leadership that understands the importance of it. Right. Um, as I stated um, during the presentation earlier, um, in the not-for-profit world, we have boards and then we have our leadership teams. Both of them have to be fully invested in patient safety and quality. They need to be educated, knowledgeable, and make it a high priority. Um, I think quality patient safety is um, a bottom line along with um, financial bottom line. Um, you've got to have both to be successful for the long term mm -hmm. and to serve the community um, in which you're located. Um, going forward, I think one of the, the biggest structures we can have is um, quality and patient safety um, structures that permeate the entire organization, that provide the entire organization with performance improvement methodology and tools that they can utilize to have ongoing identification of opportunities for improvement and ways to actually put it in place and execute on them. Great. Um, so what is our role as physicians in um, promoting patient quality and safety? Right. So I think if you talk to any provider, any physician, they're going to say right off the bat, I deliver good quality care. That's what I come to work to do every single day. And I think that's absolutely the truth. What I want to do in my role is to put some structure around it, to really give you some tools to be able to do that and the language in which you're speaking so that you can continue to propagate that. As a physician, you're setting the tone mm -hmm. for your unit, for your department, for your hospital, for your health system. And in turn, you're responsible for the education of those um, who are continuing to come behind you. So mm -hmm. really the physician setting the whole tone for the direction that we're going in. And as physicians are becoming leaders of those health systems as well, mm -hmm. it's becoming even more important that you have the tools that you need, the right language and structure around you to get that done. How do we promote uh, physician engagement and, and interest in quality improvement? Sure. So one of the nice things is for almost every resident, no matter what the specialty, they kind of have a requirement to do that. Yes, um, we have our quality yes. improvement projects and, exactly. and whatnot. Yeah. So that's the first introduction. Right. And then making sure that we're saying not only is it important that you complete your project and be successful, but it's also important moving forward that this becomes a regular part of what you do. And in your natural workflow of taking care of patients, quality patient safety is just embedded in there so that it doesn't seem like extra or an initiative. It is just what you do every single day. So taking that on and really internalizing that as a physician, teaching it in every touch that you have, not only with your patients, but with staff and with other clinicians that you're training, that's the way that physicians can take the lead and continue to propagate patient safety and quality. So what would be your final message moving forward? I think my final message would be um, every day we're focused on the patient. Mm -hmm. We should continue to have that patient-centered approach. Our goal is to make it seem very easy to access care mm -hmm. and that in that accessing of care, the, the culture of patient safety and quality is just so embedded in what we do that it doesn't seem like extra. It's just what you do every day to ensure that that patient has the best outcome. And not to be afraid to think outside of the box mm -hmm. and to do it differently than we've always done. Because if we're truly going to make this transition to the next level of patient care delivery, we need to think about it differently. Great. Well, uh, Dr. Shippey, it was a pleasure having you with us uh, today. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed our time together as well. So um, uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us as well. On this episode of PMR Report, my name is D. Colonel Tunian. Uh, thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, as we close another session of our podcast, I would like to make it clear that we make every effort to broadcast correct information. We will double check facts and assertions, but we do ask our listeners to realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and an art. One physician may have an entirely different way of doing things from another, and any views expressed are solely those of the person expressing them. We welcome any comments, suggestions, and correction of errors. We do not accept any money, services, or sponsorship otherwise from pharmaceutical, supplement, or device companies. By listening to this podcast or reading this blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you may be treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast or blog. Under no circumstances shall McGovern Medical School, any guests or contributors to the podcast or blog, or any employees, associates, or affiliates of UT Health be held responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast or blog. We are here to stimulate the dialogue. We are here to get the wheels spinning. We are here to spark new questions in the field of medicine. Thank you for listening.